The Retrogasmic Podcast is brought to you by Rosemary.nz, a one-woman business that designs and makes beautiful hot rod, rock and roll, and Kiwi Aina-themed men's shirts. Hop on to Rosemary.nz and see the vast selection of fabric choices and designs. That's Rosemary.nz. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the North Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Bonjour, hola, previat, and welcome to episode two, season two of the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm your host, Didi Deluxe, and in today's show we have a fantastic interview with British journalist Zoe Gotto, author of Elvis Style from Zoot Suits to Jumpsuits and Vintage Style Inside the Dapper World of Retro Enthusiasts. Ooh, I feel retrogasmic. Zoe's first book, Elvis Style from Zoot Suits to Jumpsuits, was published in July 2016 by Libri. She's had book signings at Waterstones in London and at the Langsty Store in Memphis, which was Elvis's favourite tailoring house, and has been interviewed by various media, including The Wall Street Journal, The Guardian and BBC Radio. Her second book, which was published in 2020, Vintage Style, Inside the Dapper World of Retro Enthusiasts, is a series of interviews with retro and vintage fans from around the world, all of whom that absolutely live and breathe their style. Now, the forward to this book is written by uh, world-famous designer Wayne Hemingway, MBE. So, great credentials. Uh, I haven't read either of the books. I put my hand up at the moment, but... The lovely Zoe has sent us a copy of the Elvis style book, which I intend to read from cover to cover and then offer up as a prize to you lucky people. So let's start off with uh, something from the man himself. Uh, Zoe's Elvis style book covers off all of Elvis's uh, stylistic eras, if you like. So uh, let's start off with some early Elvis. trouble you came to the right place if you're looking for trouble just look right in my face i was born standing up and talking back my daddy was a green Around 
never looked for trouble, but I never ran. I don't take no orders, no kind of man. I'm only made out flesh, blood, and bone. But if you're gonna start a rumble, don't you try it all Trouble from the 1958 film King Creole. That's definitely one of my uh, one of my all-time favourite Elvis songs, and I love that performance in the movie. So next up, we've got a, another Elvis song, which could be considered early Elvis. It's from 1962 from the film Girls, Girls, Girls. It was written by Winfield Scott and Otis Blackwell, and uh, it reached number one in the UK singles chart in 62, and it was the, the Christmas number one. Only got to number two in American Billboard singles chart because the Four Seasons Big Girls Don't Cry was a, a, just a monster hit and just nudged it out. But it did reach number one on the uh, the cash and music vendor singles charts, which was mainly kind of monitored uh, jukebox sales and plays. And it was also the very first ever Christmas number one in Ireland, as the uh, the Irish hit parade or the Irish cha- charts were only founded in October of that year in 62. It was certified as a platinum single and it uh, registered sales of in excess of one million units. Now, if you think back to when that was the 60s to sell a million singles of anything was just utterly astonishing so this is a absolute corker of a song a lovely rockabilly stroll number this is return to sender i gave a letter to the postman he put it in his sack Bright and early next morning, he brought my letter back. She wrote upon it, Return to sender, address unknown, no such number, no such soul. We had a quarrel. Dropped it in the mailbox As in a special deed Bright and early next morning It came right back to me 
She rode upon it. Return to Cinder. That dress unknown. No such person. No such zone. This time I'm gonna take it myself and put it right in her hand. And if it comes back the very next day, then I'll understand. Hopefully we have Zoe Goto. Um, Hi. Hello, all the way from London. So we're 12 hours apart, which is convenient at the moment. How are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for getting up early. I know you had to rush the kids off to school and uh, juggle your normal life, but thank you for speaking to us. So, um, oh, it's a pleasure. For, for, for people that, that um, don't know much about the, uh, let's call it the, the vintage scene in the UK, um, mm -hmm. Could you tell us how you got into, I guess, first got into journalism, but how you kind of drifted towards a fascination with um, the retro and the vintage? Because this is your, this is two books now on this, uh, on the retro style, if you like. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I kind of got converted to vintage fashion. I actually, my background is I worked for almost a decade um in PR a lot of the time doing fashion PR mm -hmm. um so I kind of started out as a fashion insider um I loved to buy new clothes and then um kind of slowly over time I started to I was also at one point living near Portobello Road which has a great vintage market I, I know it well um, yeah. <laughs> so I'd spend a lot of time on a Saturday morning down there kind of rummaging for the bargains and then slowly over time I kind of became I'd say disillusioned with the fashion industry um, and I could see that on so many levels it just wasn't sustainable and this kind of relentless need for new trends um, it started to I don't know just kind of seem a bit bonkers after a while so yeah. um, four years ago I decided to go cold turkey and I completely gave up buying anything new um, for myself, for my family. So everything that we buy now is secondhand. And um, I started after that, I started to become more interested in this whole kind of vintage scene that we have here in the UK. And I started going to vintage events and finding the most interesting dress people and just going up to them and talking to them and asking about why they love their particular um, era. Um, and I became really fascinated with it. And so I started turning up and photographing them. Um, and that kind of slowly over time became my ro most recent book, which is Vintage Style Inside the Dapper World of Retro Enthusiasts, um, where I've kind of profiled around 30 different people. It started off just in the UK, but um, then I kind of tagged in wherever I was traveling. So there's people from L.A., from Palm Springs, Sicily, kind of all over the world. I've gone and um, kind of sought out the 
the really interesting vintage people and gone and photographed them generally inside their homes and kind of found out why they've decided to live out of step with contemporary culture, with contemporary fashion. Fantastic. Absolutely. Did you ever get over to um, Viva Las Vegas? No, but I would really, really love to. Um, and uh, that's something that a lot of the people that I mentioned, especially the American people in the book, they'd all been there. And, um, yeah, it sounds amazing. Have you had an opportunity to go? Well, no, we've been trying to get on the bill, but uh, uh, I know the, the organiser is keen, but uh, flying us from New Zealand would be quite <laughs> on the list, I think, of cheap op options for live music. And there's already, you know, there's, there's like 100 bands there over the weekend. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. we'll get there one day. But it's, it's, it's yeah. pretty much the biggest uh, vintage, well, rockabilly kind of era festival in the world at the moment yeah yeah so the, so the, the the latest book is uh, um almost like little mini biographies of people that um live and breathe the style rather than just the kind of the weekend people have, have, have some of these people gone beyond just the clothing and the and the makeup and stuff some of these people got the, their houses and and the cars and and the full thing Absolutely. Um, actually, the first person that I photographed outside of the UK um, was a couple who were living in L.A. Um, and I went over there and I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I kind of found them via Instagram. They looked really interesting, um, but they hadn't kind of given any indication as to where they lived, what the setup was. Um, so I turned up with my camera, knocked on the door and I walked in and it was like, walking into a museum it was absolutely fantastic and their era was the golden era of Hollywood and um she was amazing she looked like kind of Rita Rita Hayworth walked <laughs> down the stairs to greet me and I walked in and it was I mean I spotted a, a tv kind of tucked away in the corner apart from that you know there were no signs at all that it was the contemporary era that we were in. It was just so meticulously put together. It was as if a museum curator yeah. had walked in and kind of recreated their entire home. That takes some real fantastic. dedication. And for yeah. them, um, it was so much more than just the clothing. It was the interiors. It was the entire lifestyle. It was um, their friendship group. It was kind of, it had seeped into every area of their life. And I really love that total commitment <laughs> that they had now um obviously we we mix with a lot of people with a similar um let's call it a fascination i won't say obsession because that mm. infers there's something wrong with us all <laughs> but you know we've got a lot of friends that have got the the 50s cars and you know their wardrobe is largely 50s and most of the music they listen to is on vinyl etc etc um yeah what do you think um what is it about, especially the, I guess, the the 40s, 50s, early 60s, what, what is it about that particular era that people find so, so appealing? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I think there's something about the aesthetics of it. Yes. It's particularly, you know, anything mid-century, there's something aesthetically very beautiful about it, yeah. very nostalgic. Um, I personally love that's kind of my era that I really love. And I really enjoy, you know, going into a really fantastic kitschy 50s <laughs> diner 
and eating or um, I go to Palm Springs quite a lot and I really love the mid-century modern architecture that you have there. Um, so I think aesthetically there's something really beautiful there. But I think it was also um, a time of kind of optimism as well. Um, it was a time when people were buying into the idea of the American dream. Yes. Now being questioned, obviously. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I think it was it was a, a time of optimism. And Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about this quite a lot on the show. And uh, that word optimism comes up quite a lot. I think it was post-war. Mm. Um, you know, the world had had time to a certain extent, to recover. Um, we've got the atomic age with all the promise of, of kind of, you know, space travel and the future being just around the corner and, you know, this wonderful kind of wide-eyed, innocent optimism. And, uh, yeah, I think to a, to a certain extent that encouraged people's um, imagination so that even cars were kind of larger than life and and had a you know what's this car going to look like in the future let's make some of that look like now so that our invention or our current model looks like it's you know tipping its hat to where we're going to be with this glorious future on the horizon and i think that's that's what steered everything from the clothes to the you know the the baker like kind of uh, household goods right the way down to the, the you know the, the the clothing it it was a it was a, yeah it was a remarkable time but i just yeah. I, I just never quite you know i mean we we're in a you could say it's quite a scary time at the moment but you know this we're in a, a a world now where you can pretty much have whatever you want if you're not you know impoverished just at a click yeah. of the button you know you can go onto a website and you can find pretty much whatever you want and leave your choice um but people still choose to kind of uh, immerse themselves in that era there must have been something else about it that it's kind of it's almost like it's reassuring for people to to have that like a simplicity as you say their television was kind of hidden away I, you know, I, I wonder sometimes whether we've got um, too many layers of, of social behaviour now and it makes things too complicated to just enjoy the simple things in life. Absolutely. And that's something that quite a few people, when I was interviewing them, that phrase kept coming up, actually. Um, it's about harking back to a simpler time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really right. I think there's something in that maybe kind of stripping back um, you know the technology as well it's a blessing but you know yeah. it can it can take over a little bit do you just yeah winding you, things back a bit do you guys have a uh a 50s car or an old vintage car or is that a bit impractical with kids <laughs> <laughs> i wish we did we don't have a car at all actually oh, we okay. live really central in london so oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we yeah. kind of walk everywhere but we do have i'm actually sat talking to you in our 50s booth that we have oh nice um in our front room we've got a jukebox here as well and um vinyl or cd we've got our elvis clock and <laughs> 50s pictures up everywhere so it's pretty retro <laughs> cool so um the more recent book um yeah. is is a as we said, it's, it's almost like a, a series of interviews and different people's takes and uh, expressions of that vintage style. Tell us a little bit about the, the first book, the, the Elvis style book. Yeah, absolutely. So 
And um, this is something that was kind of in the pipeline for quite a long time. When I was growing up, I knew absolutely nothing about Elvis. He wasn't on my radar. My parents weren't interested. Um, I don't think I'd ever watched an Elvis movie. I couldn't name an Elvis song. Um, and then suddenly when I was around 21, I was a student um, and I was flicking through a newspaper and it must have been some kind of Elvis anniversary because there was a big article on him. And I was it was like being hit by lightning. I was just <laughs> totally stopped in my tracks. Um, and I thought, wow, who is this guy? He was the most visually stunning person I'd ever seen. Um, and that was quite a life changing moment for me. So I kind of I found Elvis through his style yep. initially. OK. Um, and then within a couple of weeks, I had um, book tickets to go out to Memphis to visit Graceland. Um, and I ended up writing my university dissertation on um, Elvis and his interiors at Graceland. Really? Um, and then I spent oh. about 10 minutes, uh, 10, 10 years working in the fashion industry. Um, and during that time, I kept saying, oh, you know, I really want to get back to Elvis and write something about him. Um, and then when I moved over to journalism about 10 years ago, um, I started working on the book, putting it together. Um, and I thought if he's had such a big impact on me, there must be people out there. There must be other designers, people who are interested in fashion, um, who I can go and speak to and ask them about, you know, what they think Elvis's impact on our culture has been. Um, and I remember, so I had this idea and then I went into a bookshop in London and I was having a look on the shelves and I could see all of the greats were there. You know, there's Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn. They all had style books on them. And um, the penny dropped. I looked there and I was like, ah, nobody has really covered Elvis from a style point of view. Um, there's plenty of books about Elvis's life, but there was nothing really about his impact on style. Um, so, yeah, I realized there was a, an opportunity and that was kind of how the book was formed. So I've got two obvious questions. I know <laughs> my Elvis loving audience um I would want to ask you. So the first thing would be, what is your personal favourite Elvis era? Because obviously the, there's the young era leather jacket, then there's the uh, you know 68 comeback special. You've got the uh, you know the the movie Blue Hawaii kind of chintzy yeah. stuff. You've got the you know uh, uh, the jumpsuit rhinestones. I mean, what? Well, that's a tricky one. I would say on a personal level, how he influences my style is I really love the rockabilly yeah, era. Absolutely. Um, so Me. the 1950s yeah. Heartbreak Hotel, yeah. he looked fantastic in that with his double denim, his striped T-shirt. Um, so that era... Um, I would say has had the most impact on me. And I also think it's the most accessible. Yeah. Um, I mean, here in London, you know, you walk down the street and rockabilly is a style that's kind of constantly being revived um, at the fashion shows. I think barely a season goes by where there's not some kind of reference to um, 50s Elvis in some way. I would say that's his that era is his kind of most accessible lasting legacy. But on, on the other hand, I also personally really, really love um, 
the later stuff, the 70s jumpsuits, yeah. because I think where fashion is kind of at its most interesting is when it's at the extreme end. Yes. Um, yes. And he was really pushing the boundaries. I mean, who else could walk out on stage in a bejeweled jumpsuit <laughs> with a cape and still be seen as so macho? Um, I think it was, yeah. yeah, it was, it really opened the door for a lot of other performers after him. Um, so I find his, his jumpsuits are fascinating. I don't wear them myself, though. <laughs> and the other question, um, and by the way, I, I'm completely with you on the, the, the late 50s Elvis. That's, uh, for me, that's, that was the real McCoy. Everything after that, uh, I kind of feel like he was, led in the, the direction of continued success rather than him kind of being himself, you know. But uh, yeah. um, what do you think about Elvis impersonators? Um, because that is a worldwide thing on its own. There's competitions like every single day there is a competition somewhere in the world. People take it very, very seriously. They pick, you know, they pick a set list. They pick an era. You know, it's uh, I mean, we know some over here personally that are making a very good career out of it and they take it very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. It is taken really, really seriously. It's kind of taken to art form levels. Mm, mm. Um, I think I think there's some really good um, Elvis tribute artists out there. It's funny you should ask this, actually, because I, at the moment, I'm putting together an idea for an article about um, really, really hip, young Elvis impersonators. Um, because I feel that the media, it's kind of quite lazy. If there's an Elvis anniversary, then... They turn up and, you know, it's all very, they'll go and find an Elvis festival yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. all very tongue in cheek and yeah. kind of, I don't know, it's a, a bit little cynical bit, as yeah. well, the way that it's reported. Um, but actually the Elvis community, there's loads of really interesting, really creative and actually really cool people out there. Yeah. So um, somebody who I met through my first book, um, Elvis style and then I went and photographed her in Sicily um, for vintage style was a young woman called Sayaka mm -hmm. and she is a um, Italian she's half Italian half Japanese Elvis impersonator oh. um, and she's just got a blog called Hungry Caramella um, and she's got a huge following like one of her videos on YouTube has been viewed half a million times um, and she looks like this kind of really cool rockabilly young woman. And then she opens her mouth and she sings like Elvis. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's really fantastic. Um, so, yes, I think, um, you know, there's people like her who are under the radar and are not the go to people when somebody wants to do an article on Elvis impersonators. And actually through her, I found there's a whole community of like these really cool musicians. Absolutely, who yeah. are, there's, there's um, two guys over here. If you do decide to mm -hmm. follow this up, there's a guy yeah. called Shay Orton, who is a, I guess by trade, he's a, a country guitarist, guitar singer, got a very good band. He's been nonstop touring for, for years over here. Um, very, very good musician, lovely guy, but um, he just won the, kind of the national Elvis composition and he's off, he went off to Graceland to compete and, and but he, no, he's very mm -hmm. kind of uh, authentic. 
but if you're looking for someone young and up and coming that kind of puts a new spin on it, we've got a Pacific Elvis over here who's a young Samoan lad who is, okay. and he's, he's great. I mean, he's great looking dude and you know the women just love him and he puts a really good show on and he's very kind of uh like genuine about it all he loves it as much as the people watching do and yeah it's Easy. it's a it's kind of opening the doors to a completely new audience rather than the kind of the oldies that like elvis and oh look there's an elvis guy on it's it's a you know it's a, a new fresh spin on it which i think is important to, to, to keep it all going you know absolutely and to show that there are you know Hip young people. Elvis is still cool for yeah. for young people. Yeah, absolutely. So, t- t- just tell us a little about the Elvis style book. Um, so, the Elvis style book. Um, I I wanted not just to focus on the fashion because I think it's not as if Elvis was there wearing these fantastic jumpsuits and then he went back to his kind of white cube minimalist house. Mm. Like his style was across the board. Um, and so I also included um, his hairstyles. I included his diet, um, and I went and like photographed. Um, there's this amazing place in Memphis, the Arcade Restaurant, which is like a really, really nostalgic um, diner. It's really beautiful. So um, I went there and photographed that. It's got um, Elvis's cars. He was a huge consumer of cars. They think there were over 300 um, that he brought during his lifetime and sometimes he would just give them away he'd give them away to friends he would give them away to the car salesman he gave one to a news anchor once um you know they were kind of just given away as if they were (laughs) sweet so there's this huge collection of cars which was really handy actually when I was doing my book because almost every kind of car museum in the world has got an Elvis (laughs) car (laughs) they've all ended up there Um, and then of course the interiors so I start off looking at the um, shack in Mississippi, the mm-hmm. shotgun shack that he was born in. Um, and then we go through to um, Uptown Square Apartments, which was a social housing um, place that he lived in in Memphis. And you can actually stay overnight there. So I've stayed a couple of different times there, um, which is amazing. You get to wake up in Elvis's bedroom and go and have a bath in Elvis's bath. <laughs> it's really like incredible experience. And then of course, um, to Graceland and the thematized rooms and, um, and Elvis had a hand in all of it. He wasn't working with fashion stylists. He wasn't working with interior designers. He's kind of there, you know, hands on with all of the design decisions, which is why he's kind of a really interesting, quite special star to be able to write about because um, it was all coming from his creativity. Hey baby, I ain't asking what you No, 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 baby, I ain't asking what you Just a big, a big, a big, a hungry love, I will do Don't be a stingy little mama now you can spare a kiss or two, and still have many levels on the bay. No, 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 no. I ain't asking what to you. No, 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 no. Just a bigger, bigger, bigger hunger. How will you do? How will you do?
structured is, is does do you kind of go um houses cars clothing um or, or is it is it more of a, a like a an overview and you just go into detail as you as you skip across um it's the largest chunk of the book is elvis's fashion um mm-hmm. so it starts off with the 1950s um, and it's looking at the relationship that he built up with Lansky Brothers, which is a tailoring house yes. on Beale Street. Yes. Um, and they're still there. They're great. And um, how I kind of talk about how this is the first example of celebrity endorsement that we can find because Elvis had no money at all, but he had all these gigs booked. So he kind of he needed to find um, an outfit that was worthy of his fans' adoration. Um, so he strikes up this deal with Lansky Brothers where they start giving him um, all this amazing kind of very, very cool tailoring shirts um, that he starts wearing to gigs and he starts wearing um, when he gets booked for TV performances. And the deal is that he turns up and he says to all the fans, hey, you know, I, I've got my jacket at Lansky on Beale Street and... Um, and the fans obviously all turn up and start buying it. Mm. So I think that's the first example of celebrity endorsement, which is something that's kind of so common in our culture now. Um, so we start off with the 50s and also how he was pioneering and um, he was crossing a lot of gender and racial barriers with his clothing. So, for example, he was wearing pink clothing, pink um, suits and shirts, before it was kind of socially okay for guys to, he would turn up with a face full of makeup. Apparently he was so good at doing makeup that he would do his girlfriend's mascara for them, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this stuff was, um, it was kind of brave given the culture at the time, really. Um, so we talk about that and then through to, and then also um, about bling culture, how, he kind of really pioneered bling culture. He was born, you know, absolutely dirt poor. Um, and by his early 20s, he had suddenly hit the big time and he had the money to be able to indulge in these things that he had always been denied before. And he really went for it. So, you know, it's it's the gold suit that he's wearing in the 50s. But <laughs> then it's also, um, it's the limos that he's buying. It's he gets a um, baby grand piano gold-plated. Um, if anyone's been to Graceland, there's the aeroplanes there, and they'll have seen the sink, which is gold-plated. It's, you know, he had the Midas touch. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was covered in gold. Um, and then we look at the 60s um, and about um, the different designers that he was working with and Blue Hawaii, which was an important look. Um, and then, of course, the 68 comeback special. So his yeah. star had kind of been waning um, and it was really the pressure was on for him to show that he was still relevant 
And I think he came out and, you know, not only with his music, but also through his style, he really showed people that he was he was back and um, he still mattered. That's I think what, that's a really important moment. If, if, I'm, I'm um, sure everyone listening has, has seen that. But if you haven't seen the 68 Comeback Special, most of it is on YouTube. Uh, you can get it on DVD and all that kind of But just do yourself a favour and get it. It is magnificent. It's one it of the is. best bits of, of TV ever. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think so. It's just such a epic performance, yeah. really. I mean, and some of those reset for him. Some of those live, uh, live semi-acoustic things when they're all sitting around on that stage are just ah <laughs> jaw-dropping stuff. Yeah. So okay, how... I think not only Elvis yeah. but also like the total adoration of yes. the fans yeah. who are just like visually swooning it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even without all the talent, he was ridiculously good looking. I mean, just yeah. I mean, he for, for from the point of view of a. A marketer, he he was just the dream, wasn't he? You know, yeah, like absolutely crazy, crazy good looking, stylish, beautiful posture, phenomenal voice. You know, had the sex appeal. He's a nice guy. I mean, it was just yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and and the marketing that you mentioned. I mean, I don't know. Perhaps in the fifties they kind of overdid it, but there was barely a product that they could not put Elvis's yeah. handsome face onto. Um, you know, he was he was they said by the end of the 50s that he was as recognizable as Coca-Cola right. or Mickey Mouse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's it's not surprising in a way that uh, yeah, the, the, the pressure kind of got to him because uh, it must have been uh, must have been quite a lonely existence at some point, you know, having to yeah. be the, the, the kind of the top of the pyramid with all those things kind of filtering down from your success i mean uh imagine every time you go on stage or every time you record something knowing that it's got to be a success to keep the ball rolling you know it's uh yeah it must have been a absolutely a terrifying and he was, thing. i mean he lived he found fame in his early 20s he lived for more than half of his life as one of the most famous people on earth mm. um i think that's you know it's a crazy amount of pressure to be put under and he also he had a lot of people relying on him he had a huge entourage of people you know it was a yeah. it was a whole production and, then with Elvis and I think that pressure of having to keep the show on the road must have just been exhausting and there was no one that had really done that kind of level of fame before him he was you know he was kind of pioneering yeah absolutely um, yeah yeah, the, you know, the superstar. And of course, it must have been very difficult. In, in later years, we found out what a crook his manager was as well, which kind of made life easy for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, we've got to be careful what we say, but uh, I think it's been fairly <laughs> common knowledge now that the, the good old colonel um, was probably more concerned with his own success than Elvis's well-being. <laughs> but, um, look, yeah. Um, where can people track down both the books? Where can people find out more about what you do and, and your, your, your career? You know, where, where can people hook up? You know, have, have you got Instagram and Facebook and a website, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a website, which is zoegotto.com, Z-O-E-Y-G-O-T-O.com. Um, my Instagram is at zoegottowriter. Um, and both of my books, um, Elvis Style and Vintage Style, are freely available on all the places you can get books. Um, 
And I've also, um, just to mention a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a piece for the New Zealand Herald, um, which was about why Elvis was the original influencer. um, And that's online at the New Zealand Herald's website. So all you Kiwis, which is probably about half of our audience uh, listening, (laughs) hop hop onto the Herald website and and just uh, search for Elvis, and I'm sure you'll find that straight away. Well, look, it's been wonderful talking to you. I know you've got a busy day, so I'll I'll let you get back. Um, I believe you are going to send us a copy of the Elvis-style book, so what I'll do is we will run a little competition once we get that. So if uh, anyone out there is interested in owning, owning a copy of which I'm, what I'm sure is a fantastic book, um, keep your eye on the Facebook page and Instagram and we'll put a little competition up soon. So thanks again to Zoe for, for speaking to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, I think I'll play some Elvis. must be lights burning brighter somewhere Got to be birds flying higher In a sky more blue If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk hand in hand Tell me why, oh why There must be peace and understanding sometimes Strong winds of promise that will blow away all the doubt and fear If I can dream of a warmer sun where hope keeps shining
retrogasmic. And once again, that brings us to the end of another show. A huge thank you once again to our wonderful sponsor, Rosemary.nz. Be the envy of your friends, jump over onto our website and order the best bowling shirt you've ever owned. Thanks again to Zoe for speaking to us. Um, as soon as we get the copy in the post all the way from the UK, we'll be running a composition so you can own a copy of Elvis style. Be nice to each other. Stay safe. Retro Gas.